0: This show is brought to you by helixsleep.com. Sleep is absolutely critical, especially as you get older, but no two people sleep alike. That's why Helix offers several different mattress models, each designed for specific sleep positions and preferences. Go to helixsleep.com dailywire and take their sleep quiz to find a mattress made for you. Whether you're a side sleeper, a stomach sleeper, a hot sleeper, or a cold sleeper, Helix has you covered. I took the Helix sleep quiz and was matched with a Helix Midnight mattress because I want a medium firmness and a sleep on my side. So far, my new mattress is a godsend. Don't want to take my word for it. Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired magazine. It's even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Take the quiz and order the perfect mattress right to your door, shipped for free. It's so quick and fun to unbox, you won't believe how well you sleep. All Helix mattresses come with a 100-night trial and a 10- or 15-year warranty. Helix even offers financing options and flexible payment plans. A great night's sleep is just a few clicks away. Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash dailywire and use code helixpartner20. That's helixsleep.com slash dailywire code helixpartner20.
1: During this historic impeachment trial, it's important not to just pretend you're paying attention. You've got to pretend you're paying attention and really sound like you know what you're talking about. Because if you just pretend to pay attention and sound stupid, people will think you work for CNN. God knows you don't want that. To help out, I'd like to answer some of the questions you've written in about impeachment. The first question comes from Shiv, who is currently doing 5 to 10 in San Quentin for forcing a minor to watch The Last Airbender. Shiv asks, who is Adam Shiv and why does he look like that? Adam Schiff is a California congressman who was appointed chairman of the House Intelligence Committee after an all-night drinking party during which someone suggested putting Adam Schiff and the word intelligence in the same sentence would be really, really funny. He looks like he looks because he's been hollowed out by corruption and is beginning to collapse inward like the mummy at the end of that Brendan Fraser movie, except without the hot babe tied to the table, which was my favorite part for reasons I don't fully understand. Another question comes from Candy, who can usually be found hanging out at Cheetah's Lounge on Hollywood Boulevard. Candy asks, will Donald Trump be removed from office, and if so, will I lose my job and have to start hooking again? Well, Candy, it's unlikely Trump will be removed from office, but if he is, yes, you will be unemployed, and I hope you still have my number. Finally, a question from Thanos, though not the Marvel comic supervillain, the other Thanos, who asks... (laughs) Why was Chief Justice John Roberts using his eyebrows to send a Morse code message saying, please, Lord, make this stop? That was just a little joke the Chief Justice likes to play whenever he finds his life dwindling away in an utterly meaningless waste of public time and money. It always gets a big laugh at the Supreme Court. Trigger warning, I'm Andrew Clavin, and this is The Andrew Clavin Show. I'm the hunky-dunky. Life is tickety boom. Birds are ringing, also singing. Hunky dunky doo. Ship shape, dipsy topsy. The world is zippity zing. It's a wonderful day. Hooray, hooray. It makes me want to sing. Oh, hooray, hooray. Oh, hooray, hooray. All right, we are coming to you live from Hollywood and living here in Hollywood you become very sensitive to the disconnect between appearances and reality. This is a town where some soulless, handsome Dan actor who's never done a damn thing for anyone can make $250,000 a week by pretending to be a policeman on TV. While a real policeman not only makes considerably less money, he also gets insulted and criticized by the same idiot journalists who treat the actor like he's some kind of hero. Now in religion land, we have a word for this. It's called idolatry. Idolatry is when you mistake the representation of something for the thing itself. You worship the idol instead of the god the idol represents, or you respect money more than you respect the work that goes into making money, or you rank sex higher than the love it's meant to express. The great reformer, John Calvin said the human mind was a perpetual forge of idols, It was constantly creating new idols. He was obviously right about that, and that's obviously why God forbids us to make graven images of him somewhere up near the top of the Ten Commandments. Breaking idols and keeping track of the true values they're supposed to represent are necessary tools for staying sane and decent in a corrupt world. And they're talents that come in especially handy when following Politics talking about corrupt. The American experiment in liberty was created in part in the Puritan tradition, a tradition that rejected idols and idolatry of all kinds. So, if we want to stay free, we have to keep ideals like individual freedom and personal morality and responsibility first in our minds and take all the people, instead of making people idols, even our political favorites, we have to remember that they're just broken creatures like ourselves. As the Bible says, put not your faith in princes. Now, All of that said, and with all due respect to the Puritans, there's no sense pretending that show and drama and symbols don't affect the human mind. Because we are natural idolaters, because our minds perceive truth through metaphor and storytelling and what Shakespeare called ceremony, we have to pay close attention to the narratives that are being set before us to make sure they either tell us the truth or we learn to detect the truth in them. Which brings me to the impeachment trial. There is simply no question that the impeachment trial going on right now is a show. It's all a show. It's meant to be a show. No one thinks it's going to have any real-life effect. No one thinks it's going to end with Trump leaving office. No one expects there'll even be any new information that comes out of it. It's meant to communicate messages to you, political messages designed to affect your mind and your vote in the 2020 election the insights we need to bring to bear on this spectacle are not legal insights or really even political insights. They're critical insights, the insights of an art critic who can see what the performers are trying to communicate and cut through that to something resembling the truth. And that's what we'll try to do a little bit of today. But let us talk first about Bespoke Post and the box of awesome they want to send you. This is, you know, I got one of these and I got, what I got is a new dop kit. And dop kits are important to me. That's where you carry your toiletries in. They're really important to me because I travel a lot. I have to pack and I have to be able to fit everything in my, my suitcase, which is not always that easy. And they sent me this absolutely beautiful dop kit that really is nice. Not only that, it's easy to pack because it's flexible and can fit into my suitcase really well. So this winter, you should start a new routine to upgrade. Upgrade your everyday life with a monthly box of awesome from Bespoke Post. Bespoke Post sends guys only the best stuff every month. So whether you're looking to commemorate an occasion with a champagne, saber, or toast perfectly aged winter cocktails, box of often Box of Awesome has you covered. To get started, take the quiz at boxofawesome.com, which is kind of fun, by the way. Your answers will help them pick the right box of awesome for you. It's free to sign up. You can skip a month or cancel anytime. and each box costs only $45 but has over $70 worth of gear inside. And you can get 20% off your first monthly box when you sign up at boxofawesome.com and enter the code CLAVEN at checkout. That's boxofawesome.com, code CLAVEN for 20% off your first box there is nothing more awesome than knowing how to spell Claven no <laughs> if, no <laughs> if at this point listening to the show you don't know how to spell Claven there's something deeply deeply wrong with you the mailbag is coming up later on all your that's right you will yeah! say, that's what you'll be saying because all your problems will be solved if you don't think this impeachment trial is a show like a movie, Take a look at MSNBC's trailer for their coverage.
2: Donald Trump on trial. For only the third time in history, an American
3: president impeached, charged with abuse of power and obstruction of Congress. This thing is a big hoax. It's a big hoax. He will remain a threat to national security and the Constitution if allowed to remain in office. Today, the impeachment trial of Donald Trump.
2: MSNBC. Sucks in a world,
1: in a world where there's Republicans and Democrats, there's an impeachment trial. I mean, it's a movie (laughs) they're putting on a show and they know it. That's why I want to start by talking about Shakespeare, also because I care more about Shakespeare than the impeachment trial, which is baloney. But, but you know, Shakespeare, Shakespeare was working in a time when the Puritan ethos, the Protestant ethos was on the rise, right? He was in England during the Reformation and... The idea of ceremony was basically, and and symbol, was basically being attacked all the time. This was idolatry. The Protestants were saying that the Catholic Church, with all their ceremonies, with all their priests and their robes and all this, this was all idolatry, and they wanted to dress plainly and just read the Bible, and all the truth was in the Bible. Shakespeare as a playwright, as a guy who put on shows, understood that non-reality and ceremony and show had an effect on the human mind. Henry V, if you've ever seen the play or watched the wonderful Kenneth Browning movie, he goes out before the heroic battle of Agincourt with the weight of the world on his shoulders. And he says, what have kings got that private people don't have except for ceremony? And he says, and what is ceremony? He says, what are thou idol ceremony, art, art thou anything else but place, degree, and form, creating awe and fear in other men. In other words, he was saying the entire idea of royalty was based on ceremony. Hamlet, when you get a chance, uh, Knowles, Michael Knowles has a new show out from Prager You about books. It's called The Great Book Show or something like that. I'm on it uh, somewhere along the line. I'll be on it talking about Hamlet. And one of the things Hamlet is about is about reality and show. Hamlet starts out by saying, I don't just pretend to be grieving by wearing black clothes. I have that within me. The grief within me is real. And then slowly over the play, he starts to collapse. He starts to lose that connection. He uses art. He says the play's the thing. He uses art to bring out conscience. He understands that art show touches the inner man. By the end of the uh, play, he himself is brought up, his body is brought up on stage and they say, tell his story as if it were a play, and he becomes the play that he's in. Everything we do, everything we do is the show. And if you wonder why I'm constantly hammering the press, it's because they put on the show that we see. They put on the show that we see about our government and they lie. They're on one side and they're trying to create a show, a TV show constantly that will move you to the left, move you to give up your freedom. And that's why when you watch these things, it's it's true. You know, you have to pick out the lies from the truth. You have to pick out what this one is saying, what this guy's philosophy is. But you have to look beyond that. You have to look beyond it at what they're trying to communicate, what this show is about, what are its themes, what are its ideas, and what do they want from you? CNN sucks. <laughs> and CNN does suck. And that is why we're going to talk about the impeachment as the show that it is, right? They went on, I think they went till two in the morning yesterday, arguing about rules. They were arguing about the rules of uh, the, the impeachment and how they were going to go forward. And- is that what they were arguing about? Well, of course not. Of course not. They're arguing about who's going to have the high ground, of course. They want to know which one way it's going to go. But they're trying to create an impression every single minute. You know, one of the things we talked about yesterday was we talked about McConnell— came out and he kind of based the rules on the Clinton rules because that's a good look for him, right? He That way he can say you can't attack me. These were the rules during the Clinton trial. They should be the rules now. The Democrats tried to say, well, it's not the same thing, but we all know it's the same thing. So he said you get uh, 24 hours to make your case, but instead of giving the three days that they had during the, the Clinton trial, they gave two days. So you had to have two 12-hour days to make your case. Each side had that to make their case. Then the moderate Republicans we hear, like Susan Collins said, no, it's not fair. And Mitch caved, according to like the New York Times and the left wing press, he caved into the moderates. Did he? Do you think, I mean, think about it for a minute. This is cocaine Mitch. Now they call him midnight Mitch because he turned in the rules at like six o'clock. And so the, the, uh, Democrats kept saying it's the dark of night. He turned them in. the dark, you know, it's like six o'clock in the evening. He turned them in. Did he cave or did he want to show you that he is going to be moderate? I think it's the latter. I think he was putting on a show. I think, look, it's not one side or the other. They're all doing it. Meanwhile, the Democrats are doing this whole thing. We have to have uh, we have to have witnesses. You've got to have witnesses or else it's a cover up. That's their sale. It's a cover up right now. Do they want witnesses? Do they want to hear Hunter Biden and Joe Biden come to this impeachment uh, trial? I don't think so. I very, very much doubt that they want to do that. What they want is they want the Republicans who want to end this thing before the State of the Union address February 4th, they want them to deny them witnesses so they can use the cover-up thing. It's It's all about the impression they're trying to create. Do you walk away from this feeling the Republicans have been fair and the Democrats have been fair, or do you walk away from it feeling the Democrats have been honest and the Republicans are trying to cover up? Or do you walk away from it feeling the Republicans are defending the country and the Democrats are just uh, playing around? Here is Jay Sekulow on the uh, on the President's team making the case that this is all nonsense. That when they say Trump was trying to obstruct just obstruct Congress by calling for executive privilege, they're not remembering the history of Eric uh, Holder's uh, Obama's Attorney General and how he used executive privilege too.
2: On June 28, twenty twelve. Attorney General Eric Holder became the first United States Attorney General to be held in both civil and criminal contempt. Why? Because President Obama asserted executive privilege. With respect to the Holder contempt proceedings, Mr. Manager Schiff wrote, the White House assertion of privilege is backed by decades of precedent that has recognized the need for the President and his senior advisors to receive candid advice and information from their top aides. Indeed, that's correct. Not because Manager Schiff said it, but because the Constitution requires it. Mr. Manager Nadler said that the effort to hold Eric Holder, Attorney General Holder, in contempt for refusing to comply with various subpoenas was, quote, politically motivated and Speaker Pelosi called the Holder matter, and I quote, more than, a little more than a witch hunt. What are we dealing with here? Why are we here? Classic
1: Republican argument, you did it first, which is almost always true. The Democrats are always the ones who push the envelope on uh, abusing constitutional powers. They're the ones who say, you know, we're going to appoint judges with a simple majority, not with two-thirds. This classic Republican thing is this is hypocrisy. And and they have a good case because they have all this video from the Clinton era from the Clinton impeachment with everybody with, you know, guys like Jerry Nadler saying this is a witch hunt and saying all the things that Trump is saying now. Here is Adam Schiff answering this, and I'll, I'll comment on this in a 2nd This is cut 11. Mr. Sekulow asks,
3: why are we here? Why are we here? Well, I'll tell you why we're here. Because the president used the power of his office to coerce an ally at war with an adversary at war with Russia use the power of his office to withhold hundreds of millions of dollars of military aid that you appropriated and we appropriated to defend an ally and defend ourselves because it's our national security as well. And why? To fight corruption? That's nonsense and you know it. Shifty shift. Is that guy the worst? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, a lot of people on Twitter, a lot of
1: uh, right wingers on Twitter, were saying how what an idiot he looked like. He looked like he terrible, and all this stuff. I disagree. You're not going to like hearing this, but Schiff is good at this. He knows exactly what he's doing. He knows he's putting on a show. He's not. You know, he, does he lie? He lies. Constantly. He said, We have proof that Russia, uh, coll- that Trump colluded with Russia and all this. He said that I didn't meet with the whistleblower. He had all the, uh, the Carter Page FISA warrants process was perfect. Uh, Shift lies constantly. He even lied. Uh, Politico says he misrepresented the evidence, uh, saying that uh, this guy, Love Parnas, who uh, was working with Giuliani, uh, was trying to, try to arrange a meeting with President Zelensky because he had a note from him saying, I'm trying to arrange a meeting with Z. But Apparently, the Z was the guy Schlossowski, who's the founder of Barisma, for which Biden's son had this sinecure of making 50 grand uh, a month. However, his he makes an argument here that is so clever that I have to say I admired him in this dark way because he is a liar because he can be called out as a liar. He says it's not fair to call out people uh,
3: for for being for who they are. Uh, this is cut number 10. When you hear them attack the house managers. What you're really hearing is, we don't want to talk about the president's guilt. We don't want to talk about the McConnell resolution and how patently unfair it is. We don't want to talk about how, how the pardon the expression, ask backwards it is to have a trial and then ask for witnesses. And so we'll attack the House managers because maybe we can distract you for a moment from what's before you. Maybe if we attack House managers, you'll be thinking about them instead of thinking about the guilt of the president. So you'll hear more of that. And every time you do, every time you hear them attacking House managers, I want you to ask yourselves, away from what issue are they trying to distract me? What was the issue that came up just before this? What are they trying to deflect my attention from? Why don't they have a better argument to make
1: on the merits? (laughs) You have got to give the devil his due. I mean, this is a guy who has done nothing but attack Donald Trump personally, and now he's teaching you not to pay attention to personal attacks, just pay attention to the evidence, of which, by the way, there's not very much. (laughs) Let's talk about LifeLock for a minute. This is, I have just put this on my computer, and I'm really happy I got this thing. People's identity can be stolen. And the thing about this is they can do it really easily, and you think it won't happen to you, and maybe it won't, but if it does... It is a mess. They can drain your bank account. They can make your life a living hell. And what LifeLock does, it alerts you to potential threats to your identity. They see more than you can see by just monitoring your own credit. They can see your info on the dark web. They've already alerted me to stuff about me on the dark web. And if you have a problem, LifeLock's U.S.-based restoration specialists know the steps to take to help resolve your case. Only one in five identity theft victims who had accounts opened in their name discovered the theft through a bank or credit card company. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses, but LifeLock is the New Year's resolution that's not only easy to keep, it'll help you protect what you've worked so hard for. So get LifeLock for up to 25% off your, for your first year. Go to LifeLock.com slash Clavin. That's LifeLock.com slash Clavin for up to 25% off. And then you can go on the dark web and they say, how do you spell Claven? there are no easy things. So anyway, as we go forward, just remember, this thing is, in fact, a performance. This is a show. And this thing they're trying to tell you is, is trying to show who is the honest one and who is doing playing fair and who is playing the game the way it should be played. Now, you and I know the Republicans are closer to the truth than the Democrats. But that's what you got to see. That's those are the things they're trying to change independent minds. All right. Let us talk about I want to talk about something else, because there was a dust up that was just hilarious uh, yesterday between uh, Hillary Clinton and our old friend Bernie Sanders. And it, it was great. But it also points out something that part of this election, this 2020 election, is also a show. You know, uh, I think it was The Spectator magazine Well, let's talk about Hillary Clinton first, because that's the funny part. She has a a series coming out called Hillary, right? It's going to be on Hulu, and it's set to premiere at Sundance. And I know, I know that you are right this minute subscribing to Hulu, even buying your tickets to Sundance uh, to see this, because there's one thing you want. It's more Hillary Clinton. Come on! Come on, man! We have not had enough Hillary Clinton. We want to hear, I mean, this is going to be four parts. We want to hear every excuse for why she lost. There may be some excuse. We haven't heard yet. You know, maybe a dog ate her campaign speech. We didn't hear that one yet. Maybe, you know, it snowed and she couldn't get to the voting booth. So she lost by just that one vote that she would have had if she didn't have to walk in the snow and her car broke down and uh, her her mom didn't come to pick her up. You know, there may be some excuses for her loss that we haven't heard yet. However, she does go off on Bernie Sanders. And you remember she was accused rightly of uh, she was accused of that basically the DNC set Sanders up and did everything they could to make sure Hillary Clinton would win. And she says in this uh, video, she apparently says he was in Congress for years. He had one senator support him. Nobody likes him. Nobody wants to work with him. He got nothing done. He was a career politician. It's all just baloney. And I feel so bad that people got sucked into it. Now, in the interview she did to advertise this, she said she wasn't sure yet whether she would support him if he got the nomination. Later on, she said she would. But let's listen to Bernie Sanders' response. Uh, Do you have that? Yeah, it's uh, eighteen. Secretary
2: Clinton, as you know, said that uh, as a senator, you got nothing done and that no one likes you. What's your response to that? On a good day, my wife likes me. So let's let's clear the air (laughs) on It's
1: a very mild reaction. I mean, it's it's funny, but and he doesn't really have to take on Hillary Clinton. But, you know, there's something about Sanders that he's got all this rhetoric. He's got all this big rhetoric. And there's a, a piece in The Spectator that points this out, that when there's confrontation, he suddenly disappears. And it really is interesting between him and his supporters. For instance, uh, Sanders surrogates, and this is from The Spectator piece, Sanders surrogates released a campaign vit memo accusing Joe Biden of a big corruption problem. The memo published by Zephyr Teachout and The Guardian flamed Biden for perfecting, quote, the art of taking big contributions, then representing his corporate donors at the cost of middle and working class Americans. Now, corruption and Biden are the issue right now. This is the issue. A lot of Biden's family have made a lot of money and some of it's suspicious. I mean, what Hunter Biden did for Burisma in Ukraine was suspicious. He had no expertise. He was pulling down 50 grand a month for this energy company when he knew nothing about it. Why? I mean, if that didn't have something to do with the fact that his father was vice president I don't know what did. So they put out this essay basically accusing him of of corruption, which is the big attack on him, the thing that he is going to be hurt by most if they actually do bring witnesses in this impeachment trial. Sanders then apologized.
2: Listen. Joe and I have strong disagreements on a number of issues, and we'll argue those disagreements out. Uh, But it is absolutely not my view that Joe is is corrupt in any way. Uh, And I'm sorry that that uh, op-ed appeared to me. I appeal to my supporters. please engaged in civil discourse. And by the way, we're not the only campaign that does it. Other people do, you know, act that way as well. But I would appeal to everybody. Have a debate on the issues. We can disagree with each other without being disagreeable, disagreeable without being hateful. doesn't appear that I'm going to be the the
1: nominee. (laughs) So he's saying we can disagree without being disagreeable. This is a guy who's been calling for a a revolution. He's been calling for a revolution. And let's take a look. At his supporters, because Project Veritas, I I showed you this last week, I guess it was. They got one of his field organizers talking about how the gulags weren't that bad. Okay, this is James O'Keefe's great organization, Project Veritas, which really gets some terrific video. Now they've got a new one, a new one of their field uh, organizers. This is Martin Weisberger uh, talking about how violent he's ready to get. This is cut number five.
4: He attained the rich. I always said, you know, I'm a communist. I'm ready to start tearing bricks up and start fighting. I'm not. I'm no no cop, bro. I'm I'll straight up. I'll start up. Get arms. I want to learn how to shoot and go train. I'm ready for the revolution, bro. Alright. Guillotine the rich. Like, so, do we just seize, you know, do we just dissolve the, the Senate, House of Representatives, do this branch and have somebody like Bernie Sanders and a cabinet of people make all the decisions for the climate? I mean, I'm serious. Yeah. Weird, what will help is when we send all the Republicans to the re-education. <laughs> Can you imagine Mitch McConnell? Oh, God, he wouldn't survive a day. I Graham. <laughs> <laughs> they they're founded as re-education Right. Man.
1: So he's talking about, by the way, if you weren't watching, when he says Lindsey Graham, he makes a limperist gesture uh, suggesting, A, that Graham is gay and B, that a gay guy is not going to do well in these gulags that he's proposing. Just compare that for a minute to to Sanders himself, who's saying we can disagree uh, without being disagreeable. Now, think for a minute. Just think for a second. If this guy were a Trump supporter talking about white supremacy, if this guy were a Trump organizer going out there and getting and they got him on a hidden camera saying, "No, oh, wait, I just can't wait till we get rid of all those black and brown people. Would they not? Would they the press not? I don't even have to ask the question. Would the press not go nuts basically tagging Trump for this guy? And the people would be, you know, all my liberal friends would be calling me up and saying, what about this guy? None of my liberal friends are calling me up and saying, ah, maybe I won't. <laughs> Vote for Bernie because of this guy, but think of the disparity between this, the Sanders who's out there talking about revolution and the Sanders who, every time he's confronted, uh, basically backs down. I have to, I have to wonder. I, I wonder if the spectator is right about this because there is a scenario, a very obvious scenario, in which Joe Biden wins this thing walking away. He has yet to fall beneath number one. Every now and again, somebody will rise up and, you know, the way they do during these primaries when people are testing out different ideas during a poll. Somebody will move up. Elizabeth Warren will move up and then she drops down. But Joe Biden has just remained steady. Everybody thought he was going to, his best day was going to be his first day, but it's not true. I mean, maybe his best day was as good as, his first day was as good as the rest of his days, but he hasn't dropped down. He has the support of black people, which is so important in the Democrat Party. Uh, Henry Olson. there have been a lot of polls saying black people are going to defect to Trump. Henry Olson, a great poll watcher, says it's not true that the Democrats are still going to have the black vote. And so if that's true, Biden is the guy they love because he was an ally with the Obama. You know, I'm not sure that... Bernie thinks he has any chance of this or cares if he has any chance. He's 110 years old. He's just had a heart attack. He doesn't want to be president of the United States. He just wants to make noise. And maybe, maybe by putting on a show, again, by putting on the drama of the left, move the party to the left where he wants it to be. I want to play one more cut, the other cut from Project Veritas of this guy, Martin Weisgerber, a Sanders field organizer, talking about how he learned about the gulags, which is really wonderful. The gulines became
4: a lot more political as they went on. It was a tool. It's like a boogeyman. You know what? We have more people in prison in this country right now than Russia nope. did at the height of the gullier. Greach. We do. It's a that's a nut no, that's it's a not, I only learned this in college when I started studying the Soviet Union. The Soviet Union was not horrible. No, it wasn't. I mean, for women's rights, the Soviet Union is, I think, the most progressive place to date in the world. Leave it to the Soviets to make the most badass most effective gun in the world. Okay. Okay. Engineering, great. The destruction, the destroyer of imperialism and colon, colonization. I mean, everywhere. That's why I want to get it tattooed on. You are so dumb.
2: <laughs> you are really dumb. For real.
1: It's, it's amazing stupidity. I just have to add this one thing that he learned this in college. The idea that women had more rights in the Soviet Union, which the New York Times has been selling as well. Absolute nonsense. If if one of your rights is having your husband carted off and shot, and then getting a bill for the bullet, which is what Stalin used to do, and he used to shoot the women too. I mean, they were tortured and raped in their uh, in those in the uh, cells. It's it's an amazing idea that women were just doing absolutely great in the Soviet Union. Uh, It's an amazing idea that the AK-47 is the greatest gun in the world. It's a piece of garbage. It's something that you use if you're a native fighting an empire. So it's worth something, I guess. But it's just amazing to me the falsehood that has elevated Bernie Sanders to the place that he's in. And the idea that maybe he himself is a falsehood. That maybe the excitement that he's generated is all a show just meant to get his message out there and move the party to the left in a race he doesn't want to win. That would make perfect sense to me. The Soviet Union has always been a fake, and so is Sanders. Let us talk about abortion. I know it is a serious topic, but we have to pause for just a minute to talk about it, because since the passing of Roe v. Wade, over 60 million pre-born children have been killed in the womb. 60 million children who never had a chance to give the world their love, and countless young women who have been harmed physically and emotionally. I would say the entire culture has been harmed emotionally by basically teaching itself to discount these lives. When Ben Shapiro streamed his podcast live from the March for Life in D.C. last year, our advertisers were targeted by left-wing media watchdogs, and several of them pulled their ads from our programs. This wasn't the first time, and it won't be the last time, that we were attacked in an attempt to censor us and shut us down. So... We are not the only targets either. Live action is one of the biggest voices in the pro-life movement, and they continue to do some of the most important work in the space, from raising awareness and education on the abortion issue, to undercover videos that expose Planned Parenthood and other clinics for the horrific human rights abuses. They've been banned from advertising on Twitter. This is amazing to me. They've banned live action from advertising on Twitter uh, because of their calls to defund Planned Parenthood. They've been banned from Pinterest uh, for, quote, spreading medical misinformation, which is They've also seen their advertising efforts and their online distribution restricted depending on the platform. It's an attempt to silence us, right? And this is why you guys, our DailyWire.com members, are so important, our subscribers, because your membership helps us say no when advertisers cave in. When the advertisers threaten us, we can say, you know what, we've got our backers and they've got are back. You keep our pro-life message from being canceled and instead help it grow louder. That is why from now until January 31st, a portion of any dailywire.com membership will be donated to live action with promo code live action to support awareness and education around the world on this issue. Go to dailywire.com and make your pro-life voice heard. Also, you can subscribe so you can be in the mailbag, and the, which is coming up right now to solve all your problems. So come on over to dailywire.com. Mailbag. <laughs> Where's my scream when I need it? Where is my scream on the it mailbag? It is
3: Wednesday, my dudes. <laughs>
1: that's that's nothing. I want my. There it is. There's yeah. my scream. <laughs> you guys, scream all through my show, and you can't give me my mailbag scream. All right, from Mister Q. Uh, hi Andrew. I would appreciate your help. My twenty-three year old daughter is a serious Christian who's been dating her boyfriend since they were sixteen. They were both Christians at first, but over the years he began to question his faith. He now essentially rejects belief in God, but he respects and supports my daughter's faith. They're very much in love, and they plan to get engaged. He has exceptional character, and apart from this issue, they're compatible, they're happy together. He's committed to attending church with her, uh, and she's... made him understand that she'll do her best to pass on her faith to their children. I'm concerned that they both underestimate how much this issue might degrade their happiness in marriage. Uh, I occasionally ask her for her thoughts, and she shares my concerns, but essentially hopes it'll all work out. Do you have any advice or wisdom that I could pass on to my daughter? Uh, My my advice is, frankly, stay out of this, and I'll tell you why. First of all, people do lose their faith in their 20s. It's something that happens—it's not a bad thing, actually. I think it helps them to expand their minds, to explore other issues, to come back to their faith, which they usually do, with a refreshed view of it, with a more realistic view of it. So I don't think it's a bad thing, like a terrible, terrible thing that's that's going on. You're right to be concerned that a a person of faith and a person without faith— Do have a problem in their marriage, but it doesn't have to be a terrible problem, especially if the guy has the character that this this guy has where he is willing to go to church and he's willing to raise the children in the faith. He obviously respects her. They obviously love one another. You don't have a lot of power here. You can only cause dissent and worry and anxiety. It doesn't have to be there. Keep your powder dry. Wait it out. And you'll see, it would not surprise me if this guy comes back to faith with a renewed sense of it, with a sense that he's been let free. And in the meantime, in the meantime, do not preach to him. Simply preach with your life. You know, you preach with your life by showing the joy and love that you get uh, through Jesus Christ and the love and joy and his girlfriend, your daughter, will be showing him the love and joy that she gets through it. He'll still be going to church. I wouldn't worry so much, you know, I I mean, it's it's a legit concern. It's a legit concern but part of being a dad is keeping things to yourself riding the worry out and just letting things go forward so i think that you know if, if for me to tell you not to worry would for me to tell be would be for me to tell you not to be a father you know i had a friend once when his wife got pregnant he asked me when do you stop worrying and i said stop worrying that's the job from now on okay so so worry but keep it to yourself i think they're going to be okay Uh, From Michael, dear wise, bald knower of everything. Why does it feel that the conservative movement and Republican Party are always the underdog? Is this just because the left controls the culture and mainstream news? No, it's because it's because the left is offering something natural to human hearts. Okay, the left is offering uh, free stuff and. People will take care of you and you don't have too much power and you don't have to be afraid of the fact that you're responsible for yourself. That is the natural state of human beings. The natural state of human beings is not to want to be free. I talk about this all the time, that if you read the Bible, if you read about the Hebrews getting out of Egypt, they beg and beg to be free and they complain about their slavery, but the minute they get out of Egypt, no matter how many miracles God performs, the minute stuff goes wrong, they say, why aren't we back in Egypt where we had enough to eat? They gave us food, why do we have to be free? You know, that is the natural state of humankind. What Republicans or conservatives are selling is not the natural state. It is the best state of humankind to be free, to be responsible for yourself, to actually go out there and take the risks that are required. And then when you fail to live up to your responsibility and pay your own way out, not to say, why, why didn't you leave us in Egypt where at least we had something to eat? We are selling something more difficult. One of the questions you'll get asked if you're, if you ever make a political speech and a a left winger gets up. One of the first things he'll say is he'll say, what have conservatives ever done for us? And your answer is nothing. We're here to do nothing for you except set you free. As long as we do stuff for you, you're indebted to the government. You are under the government's power. Everything the government gives you, they take They they take pay in power. So th- when people ask you, what are you doing for us? And you say nothing. That is not the answer they want to hear. So we are the underdogs because we are fighting for something that is not natural to the slavish human heart. All right. From Kyle, Dear Allwise Clavin, I'm not sure how I will survive this Clavinless weekend, but I'll try by sipping on leftist tears. I'm a big James Bond fan. I've watched these movies since I was a kid. Uh, The classic image of Bond has nostalgic meaning to me. There's been talk lately about there won't be a female Bond but maybe they would change his race. I personally think the race of a character should not change. If it's storm from X-Men or Mr. Miyagi from character karate kid, the character they are portraying is still the same character or person. and seems like woke. And it just seems like woke nonsense to change the race. Curious what your thoughts are on this. Thanks. Keep up the good work. Well, there is in this, what they call colorblind casting. There is a contradiction in terms. If it's important to change the character's race, it suggests that it is a change of the character right if it's not important to change the character's race why do it and there always is this this kind of um, uh, paradox involved in colorblind casting the good side of colorblind casting is that you get to see great actors there are a lot of great actors there of different uh, races and sometimes it just doesn't matter my rule on this is simple if you if it's going to get, the show is the, when i say the plays the thing when Hamlet said the plays the thing for me the plays the thing the shows the thing the character is the thing put that before everything if the uh, change of race or change of gender or whatever it is, is going to make be distracting from the story that you're telling, don't do it, right? I went to the uh, Shakespeare Festival in Ashland, Oregon. I went twice. The first time I went, it was great. I loved it, so I went back. The second time, they had gone so insane with their woke casting that it was a distraction. It was a distraction to have midgets playing people who were supposed to be heroic, tall people. It was distracting to have men played by women. It was distracting, and it was just all it was. Instead of getting the story, I was getting a different story about how woke, fabulously woke the people in Ashland, Oregon, who ran this theater was. I'll never go back. I will never go back because I don't go to see them tell me how woke they are. I go to see plays by Shakespeare. I go to see stories by Jane Austen. I go to see the things that are the story that's being told. So my rule is if you're going to distract me from the story to tell me how great you are, I don't want to hear it. Now, You know, I can think of an exception, for instance, in the wonderful, wonderful movie, Much Ado About Nothing by Kenneth Branagh. He made the two greatest Shakespeare movies ever made, Henry V and Much Ado. Uh, Denzel Washington plays a guy's brother and he plays a white guy's brother. And for the first couple of minutes of the play, I had to remind myself who he was. However, Denzel is a great actor and he turns in a great performance and it uh, it was really terrific to see him in that part. So Shakespeare, I don't know, there's always a little bit more leeway in Shakespeare. So that's my rule. My rule is if it's distracting, don't do it. I personally, Idris Elba is one of my favorites. Uh, he's, he's a great action star. If they made Idris, Idris Elba James Bond, it might be interesting for a picture or two. It might even you might even like him enough to keep it going. Uh, but I thought they were right to say there wouldn't be a female James Bond because that wouldn't be James Bond. Let them come up with their own story. So that's the way it is. If I if it distracts me, I don't want to do it. Uh, if if it's all about how woke you are, stop doing it. Um, all right, from uh, from Michael. Hi, Andrew. During the last backstage, there was a discussion about the Powell Doctrine and how it was wrong. Powell Doctrine is if you break it, you fix it. So if you go in and invade someplace, you have to build the place back up and make sure they have a democracy and all this. I think it's ridiculous. My question is, is when if we engage in a war like in Iraq or Afghanistan, what should we do after we have defeated the enemy? When we depose Saddam, should we have just left? My thought is if we leave, then it leaves a power vacuum for terrorist organizations or countries like Iran. Thank you and love your show. Yes, my point about this is that before you go in, you have to decide what is a realistic goal so you can bring the guys home at some point. If the realistic goal is to transform the Middle East into a glowing democracy and uh, an island of freedom, don't go. Because it's not going to happen, right? It's just too big a a trial. I mean, I know people who were in that Bush White House who said they didn't know what they were walking into. They didn't know how bad it was going to be. But really, if you think about it, you can always tell it's going to be that bad. It's a different culture. If you think about Japan, a country we transformed, it was total War. It was World War. Four years of destroying everything. When we were done, Japan was basically in ruins, and and so we when we built it up, when we rebuild it, we were rebuilding it from the ground up. If you're not willing to do that, which we weren't uh, going to do in Iraq, don't go in there and kill a guy and just think that the powers of democracy, you'll be welcomed as a hero, and the power powers of democracy will rise up and everything will be better. Just not going to happen. So the the idea is the thing is when you the Powell doctrine takes away from the empire the power. Because what the British learned when they fought George Washington is all George Washington had to do is survive. Same thing is true right now in Afghanistan. All the Taliban has to do is survive. And every spring they come back in and kill people so that people know don't cooperate with the Americans. It's the idea you have to get in your head is you have to have a doable goal. It's not just about convincing the people. It's about knowing the truth. And Donald Trump has been great about this. I mean, people say, oh, he doesn't do enough or he just drops a couple of bombs. He has been doing the thing that affects the people that he's trying to affect without dragging us into war. He's actually been quite good at it uh, altogether. All right. Another question uh, from Andrew. Hello, master writer of fiction, yet sayer of truth. My name is Andrew, and my question is about writing. Uh, I live in L.A. I've written a comedy pilot. I'm stuck in a cycle of finishing it and loving it, then rereading it after a week and thinking it's utter crap. So naturally, I rewrite it and love it and reread it and think it's utter crap. I've already had other writers read it and give notes. At what point, Do you just hand it to your literary agent or manager? And also, how often does a script get produced when at first read it merely is funny and has potential? Well, here's the thing. You know, there comes a point in every process when the process is over. And the way you know that is when you're not making it better, you're just making it different. And I think that that's obviously there's some degree that that just has to go by feel. You can, if you give something to your agent or manager and says it, and he says it's funny and has potential, yes, you can move up to the next level. But if somebody doesn't pay for something, they're not going, if a buyer doesn't pay you, he's not going to really develop it. So you want to get money for something from buyers. If they just say, yeah, keep developing it and come back to me, you shouldn't usually nine times out of 10, you should not get into that cycle with people who should be paying you money. Money is the way you know that they're invested in it. Your agent or your manager should be able to help you develop it. At some point, got to let it go, pal, because it's just not it's just going to be uh, as good as it is. And the process is over. And you just have to recognize that um, from Jacob. Greetings, Andrew. I'd like to hear your take on who is the greatest Democratic president in history or who is the least bad. Should you draw a blank? Um, the greatest Republican president in history. Your show is a genius blend of insight and satire. Keep up the sublime work. Um, Well, Republican, I think it's Lincoln. I mean, I know he's the first, but I think he's, he is a truly, truly great president. I know some conservatives have problems with him, but I think the fact is that the country had to be reinvented uh, after the civil war. It had to be reinvented whether there was a civil war or not. Uh, And I think that Uh, He did a great job of that. He was incredibly courageous during the war in the way he fought the war. And he was uh, great in in reconstituting what it meant for America to be America. He was, he was, there just hasn't been anybody like him. Obviously, Reagan, also a great Republican president. I think Trump uh, is is threatening to be a great president. Democrats, Truman, maybe, stood up to the unions, dropped the bomb on Japan. uh, You know, had some really good... um, good civil rights guy. Uh, I, you know, I, like Roosevelt has has a has a um, skin in the game because he did fight the war well and he did organize that we got into the war, which had to be fought. But he really made the Depression last so much longer than it had to, just like Obama did uh, when he took office. I know everybody uh, Add adores him, but he expanded government. He dissed the constitution. He dissed the Supreme Court and uh, made the depression go on forever. So I would say Truman was a better president. Uh, he's the one who comes to mind. Maybe I'm missing something uh, you can write in and let me know. I got to stop there. I hope I solved enough of your problems for you to get to next week, but you got to subscribe to be in the mailbag. So do it now. I will see you again tomorrow. I'm Andrew Claven. This is the Andrew Clavin show. Technical producer, Austin Stevens. And our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. Assistant director, Pavel Wydowski. Edited by Adam Siavitz. Audio mixed by Robin Fenderson. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Alvera. Animations are by Cynthia Angulo. Production assistants, McKenna Waters and Ryan Love. The Andrew Clavin Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020.
0: Get the most out of your time in the outdoors and go to forlow.com and use code DAILYWIRE for 20% off your purchase. That's forlow.com code DAILYWIRE.